Um, I want to say thank you to Phil Manili, who preached last week. Very appreciative for all of his efforts. And, and uh, I, I didn't realize that the kingdom upside down, the upside down kingdom, which that's kind of our, our image that we've been using for this series, that that comes from a book, you were saying. Yeah. And just that that whole idea of the kingdom is upside down, which I'll get into in a second, because it's right side up to God. And uh, that, was, that was very, very insightful. Uh, as, as Lindsay mentioned, the Global 6K is happening this next week. And to me, in my mind, this is a perfect example of what it means when God reigns through God's people over God's place. Like he's put us here for a reason, for a purpose. And there is no better uh, expression of this or a really great expression of that is just the Global 6K. Hey, let's raise money for our brothers and sisters around the globe that are hurting, that need clean water. This is something simple that we can do together. And uh, I love the idea of, you know, as Lindsay said, we've kind of done everything. We used to go down to Seattle on the waterfront. Um, uh, Those were pre-COVID days. And so that was really fun. There's hundreds, uh, maybe a thousand people that would gather down there. Then we've kind of had the iterations around North Bend. And so in the neighborhoods, this is awesome because, first of all, you can choose to just walk out your front door and do the 6K. And you can walk it, you can run it, you can roll it, like how, however it fits you and your family, do it. Uh, but it is fun to be together. And so those kind of three different starting points, uh, 9 a.m., get up and get your day going, gather there and walk through your neighborhood. And uh, as we'd done that a couple years ago, just the out the front door piece, man, I was surprised at how many folks would come out and say, hey, what's up with all the orange t-shirts and Conversations we had about raising water for or uh, raising money for clean water uh, in Africa, and and that's a that's a good thing for a town like ours, and for the past, and for Snoqualmie. Um, we pray for great things through that. Well, the working definition of God's kingdom is that it's His reign through God's people over God's place, and Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot. This is why we're talking about it. He used different phrases. He would talk about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, He would talk about it as uh, my father's kingdom. He would say the kingdom of God or just the kingdom. And if you start to to read the gospels through that lens, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see him drop hints constantly about the kingdom. And sometimes he would use uh, parables to describe it. Here's one, a really short one. This is Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Or he'd say something like this. This is the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or he'd pray like he does in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in spite of all this talk, his disciples were more than a little fuzzy on what he means. Some things never change, because I could say, yeah, I'm kind of a little fuzzy about just give us a straight definition Jesus. He never really does it. He's always talking in picture languages. He's trying to use our imagination to envision a new world, a new reality. And, um, you know, another reason why we're probably fuzzy on the kingdom of God is that it's so different from the world's kingdom 
that we're almost blind to its reality. We're almost blind to its possibilities. And when I say blind, what I really mean is dumb. You know, we as followers of Jesus sometimes are a little slow to pick up what he's putting down, to really understand what Jesus is talking about. And the kingdom of God is hard to grasp if all we're doing is taking in information on it. Because information is not transformation. Information is great, but it's just a starting point. And uh, the kingdom isn't so much about understanding what it is as it is about experiencing the kingdom or living the kingdom. And let me provide an example um, to kind of overstate it or to state the obvious. Uh, I know since moving to North Bend, I've, I've met a handful of people from South Africa. We have some here this morning. Lovely people. So much so that I'm like, I'd like to visit South Africa. It sounds like a really cool and awesome place. And you know, I could learn all about South Africa, the geography, the languages, the cultures, but it's not the same as actually going to South Africa, is it? I mean, you could, you could spend a week on the ground and that would be eye-opening, but if you lived there for a year, then you could say, yes, I know South Africa. See the difference between information and actually experiencing it? That's the heart of what I'm talking about here with the kingdom of God. Information is great, but there's so, so, so much more. So I labor this point because I think there's a lot of people attending churches, you know, all over the United States, all over the world, that kind of have this confused. You know, just knowing a little bit about, or even a lot about the Bible, a lot about God, a little bit about Jesus, that's not the same as actually knowing Jesus. See what I mean? You're, you're, you're a smart crowd. You got this. Um, it isn't the same as living in God's kingdom. And frankly, we've got a huge problem right now because there are droves of people leaving the Christian faith because they don't see a huge difference between their life and the one lived by their neighbors. I mean, other than the occasional, you know, Sunday that you head down to the big box store called the church and you consume some religious goods and services. Amen. Right? We're all good consumers. We even shop for churches. And, uh, you know, huge problem around. People just don't, I don't really know. Why do I follow Jesus? There's not a lot of difference here between me and everyone else. And knowing things about Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to shame anybody, okay? I'm just stating a reality. Knowing things about Jesus aren't the same as actually knowing Jesus, and we can. Um, one reason that I still follow Jesus is that I can't imagine living anywhere else but in his kingdom. I can't imagine living or doing life any other way than as a citizen of God's kingdom. That's one reason why I still follow Jesus. And um, our goal over the next few weeks is to paint a picture of life in the kingdom of God that we want you to know, that we want you to experience. And there's kind of different values here that we're trying to reinforce. One is that the kingdom of God is present now even though there's still more to come. 
Another thing that we really want you to understand and even experience is that living in God's kingdom feels a little upside down. It's kind of counterintuitive from what we expect or what we've experienced as you know, life in our society. Um, we want you to know that the kingdom of God is happening through us. God is reigning, but he's choosing to do it through us. And all of these things kind of start to merge together. Another thing about the kingdom of God is that it's over our existing order. And there's this, um, there's this company, these people, uh, it's called the Bible Experience. They have really great little short snippets. Uh, you can find them online or on your mobile devices. And they say this, you live under, and this is like, this is what we mean by it's over the existing order. You live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. That's what Jesus taught. That's what Jesus did. And so that's what we mean by it feels a little upside down. Right side up to God, upside down to us. It's over the existing order. It's happening through us. We're resisting evil when we do things. Who can do that? Well, we can do that through the power of God's Spirit. This is how he changes the world one life at a time. This is how God reigns through us over this place. And all of this is meant to be good news. It's meant to be good news. That's what we're going to do. The kingdom of God is good news. And so when I was a kid, here's my story about Children's Church. When I was a kid, my family attended a church, and just like we do today, there's a point uh, in the you know, big adult service where all the kids were invited to head on back to their you know, age-appropriate lessons. And... Um, what I remember is that the Bibles that we used in children's church, because that's what our church called it, were different than the ones that were in adult church. And the ones in adult church, I couldn't really understand the words very well. Okay, big words, big sentences. But the ones in children's church, I loved those things. They had like little, you know, drawings and stuff in it. It was called the Good News Bible. Good News Bible. Humorous side note. Much later in life, I learned that the Good News Bible was actually, the purpose of the Good News Bible was to help people who had learned English as a second language read the Bible, or kids from rural Iowa who spoke English as a first language, right? <laughs> I'm like, wow, I don't know how I feel about this now. <laughs> English was never my strong suit, really. Um, so the, the good news Bible, and the good news is a common reference to the word gospel. Now, we know the gospels as, they're, they're like these biographies of Jesus, only biography isn't probably the best word, they're the gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're accounts of Jesus's life. That's what we associate with the idea of gospels. But um, believe it or not, gospel is an old English word for good news. And until the accounts of Jesus's life were actually written down, good news, the gospel referred to the actual message of Christ, not just the like whole thing about his life. In fact, the opening of Mark's gospel says, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. But Jesus himself 
use that word differently or use the term a little differently. To Jesus, good news pointed specifically, I said English was a strong suit, right? Good news pointed specifically to the kingdom. Look at Mark 1, 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So to Jesus, the good news was intertwined with this thing called the kingdom. And so when we hear that, you know, as hardened, calloused church attenders here on a Sunday morning, a way to make this like, so what's in this message for me, Dan? Well, I don't know. What's good news about the kingdom to you? As Christians, we talk about it being good news all the time. What's good news? What's good news? You know, to the people of Jesus' day, uh, hearing this announcement by him that the good news of God's kingdom, this would have triggered something in their memory uh, that, was, that had long, long, long roots. Um, you see, the prophet Isaiah used this phrase, good news, or this word, this is good news. And when he used it, he was speaking to God's people, you know, like a long time before Jesus was alive, uh, God's people who had just been conquered by the Babylonians, who had been taken off into captivity, who had had their, you know, whole, the city of Jerusalem, the temple destroyed, um, you know, their whole civilization conquered. Isaiah was talking to that group of people who were experiencing a crisis in their faith. I mean, they were con- really confused. This wasn't supposed to happen, God. We're your chosen people, remember? Even though God had been warning them to, hey, hey, uh, you need to live life differently or change is coming. But this wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, the total destruction of Jerusalem was proof that God was no longer with them. Or worse, they were kind of worried that maybe the Babylonians had gods that were more powerful than theirs, more powerful than Yahweh. They were worried that they'd be lost forever, just like their other tribes of Israel had been in the northern kingdom. And then Isaiah says this. This is Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Let me read it again. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. You see, the mention of good news for ancient Israel carried symbolic meaning. It meant that the kingdom that God had established on earth, you know, version 1.0 was ending, But version 2.0 was on its way. That's what the prophet Isaiah was saying to the people of Israel. The term good news has very specific meaning. It was only ever used to announce a victory in a major battle or to announce the joyful, uh, you know, it's kind of this joyful expression of political change. 
So like the birth of a king or the, or the anointing of a new king. That's the only time this word, that's the content. When you hear that word, that's what it meant. Oh, we won a big battle or there's a, a, a king has been born. And so you start to see the layers here, the messianic overtones for Jesus. Your God reigns. Maybe it's more like your God still reigns. What's good news about the kingdom of God? Well, for starters, God still reigns. God reigns. That's the first piece of the good news of the kingdom. He reigns in the present tense. He's not absent. He's not preoccupied. He's not too weak or angry with people to care. God's not just passively interested with what's happening in our world. He's actively in our world. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, the good news in and of itself is good news, but the news is good because of the one who brings it. How beautiful are the feet. It's pointing towards Jesus. He's the Messiah, the king of the kingdom. He's the one that the kingdom is being established through. He's living and walking among us. And you know, sometimes I don't know what to be more impressed with when it comes to God. Is it the incarnation that he became flesh and walked among us? Or is it the resurrection that he was raised to new life again? Well, the incarnation is, is part of this piece of God reigning. It's part of the good news. It's where it all starts, that God would risk himself. He'd subject himself to our own human experience and he did it because he wanted to have a relationship with us. You know, it's hard to find the words to express what this tells us about God. Or maybe how we've misunderstood God. I love uh, this comment I found this week. This is by Tim Mackey and Jim Collins of the Bible Project I mentioned before. They said, most religions are about ascending to God through good works. But the Christian faith is about God descending to us in grace. That's good news. And all this good news is centered on Jesus. So Jesus is this central figure in God's kingdom and its arrival on earth because he's the king and he still reigns. Another reason why the kingdom of God is good news to us. It means that you and I are part of a bigger story. You and I are part of a bigger story. Now, um, forgive me, I, I want to talk about philosophy for just a moment, okay? So I know some of you just went, oh, philosophy, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And most of you are the pragmatic types like me that are like, really, philosophy, can we just go do something, right? Philosophy, however, is important. It helps us kind of get our bearings and put meaning to our lives and why we're here and what we're doing. Uh, and it's often kind of operating in the background of so much of what we do. So all of us, whether we're aware of it or not, need to settle a few questions relating to our own identity. We all have to figure out where I belong. We all have to figure out why I'm here. We all have to figure out who's my tribe. Where I belong has to do with, I mean, finding a home, sometimes geographically even. Uh, why I'm here, that's our purpose. Man, I still hear people in their 40s and 50s say, I just don't know 
why I'm here, what I'm doing. This doesn't, uh, for those of you still in high school, I'm, you know, this might really bum you out. That question doesn't go away. Okay? What am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah, when I grow up, I'm going to be fill in the blank. People still, this is unsettled for them. Uh, and who's my tribe? I mean, that's our social circle. These are the people that we've given access to, that we have access to their life. They're really, really important. And being settled in all of these three issues helps us feel like we fit. People need to fit. It's just the way God made us. You know, you can answer those questions in any number of ways, but a huge factor of how you answer them is whether you believe or could believe that you're part of a bigger story. You see, modern philosophers are now saying that there's no story. There's just stories. And why that matters is because um, if there's only stories, there's really nothing that connects any of us, then we happen to be here at the same time. It's kind of a philosophy of like random choice or a philosophy of narcissism, if you want to look at it that way. It's my story. It's your story. We're all here having our stories together, but there's no big story. As Christians, we have an alternative. We believe that we're not just on our own. We believe that we're part of God's story, that our stories are a part of his, like, capital S, story. And why this is important is because God's story started long, long, long before my little individual life. Yet he invites me to join, to take my place, to contribute to this collaborative effort called the kingdom of God. Because it's God's reign through God's people over God's place. And my individual story matters hugely to God. And I'm part of something bigger than just myself. You know, um, one of the reasons why the kingdom of God is such good news is because of this. It's because I belong to God. I, I belong to his people. They're my family. We're on a mission. And together we're helping God reclaim all that's been lost. God is doing something through us. We get to participate in this together. And it's, it's good news when I hear that God still reigns. It's good news when I hear that we're not just floating through time and space on our own. We're part of a bigger story. And it's good news that life in God's kingdom brings human flourishing. Human flourishing. This happens as people seek God's kingdom first. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about human flourishing. I don't know if that's the exact like term that you would encounter, but you know, call it thriving or I mean, we used to call it happiness, right? But now it's like, how, how, how's our life lived out in all of its fullness? And how can you learn to really thrive in your day-to-day -day life? Well, Nick Perrin, an author who writes in his book about the kingdom of God, he says, ironically, I don't think there's ever been, a more, there's ever been more divergence of opinion as to what human flourishing looks like and how to get there as there is right now. Think about that. I mean, how many podcasts, how many books, how many shows or whatever kind of hit on this theme? 
Like, here's how we could really flourish. Here's how we could really thrive as human beings. Here how, here's how you could be happy. Well, why can't we figure this out? I mean, what's holding us back? Is it money? Do we not have enough money to really thrive and flourish? Even though we're living in the richest country at the richest point in all of history. Maybe it's our health. Maybe that's what's holding us back. If we could just be more healthy together, we would flourish in our life. Even though we have the best medical system in the entire world, expensive, but the best one in the entire world in the history of humanity. So maybe it's not that. Maybe it's our education level. If we just knew more about life and about the world, we would really be happy. We would flourish and thrive. Do you think it's our education level? No, I don't either. As far as I can tell, we lack no opportunity as a society or means to pursue it. Yet, if you look around, you'd think that we were in real, real trouble. I mean, we, use, we used to read just books on how to help ourselves and to make ourselves better. Now we have podcasts. Um, my favorite one right now, and I'm not picking on some of you that actually are making a living doing this because you're really good at it. It's coaching, right? The only coaches I ever had in my life were athletic coaches until, you know, like 10 years ago. And, and then I, I have an executive coach. Uh, you know, you, you can get a fitness coach. We have dietary coaches now to help us learn how to eat better. Um, very helpful. We have, uh, what other kind of coaches do we have? I'm drawing a blank here. Oh, relationship coaches. Very, very important. Life coaches. I mean, there is any kind of coaching that you can coach yourself through. So what's holding us back? Maybe it's me, right? Maybe I'm, I'm holding my own self back from thriving and, and thir- flourishing. Have you ever listened to grad- graduation speeches like recently? Because they play snippets on them. You can find them all over the place. They all have to do with like trusting yourself. Or another, or following your heart. You know, if Jesus heard this, I mean, I kind of want to go, really, that's the best advice that you have, have for me here as I head off into the world is trust yourself and follow my heart. Jesus would say, don't follow your heart. Your heart is broken, stupid. That's what Jesus would say. There is something messed up with your heart. You shouldn't trust it. And you know, humanity just seems to be stuck in the cycle of things getting better and then things getting worse, things getting better. Have you ever stopped to wonder why? Why we think the world is messed up? Why we think people are messed up? Why I think I'm messed up? If this is the way that it's always been? I mean, is, is there like some collective memory of when the world wasn't messed up? I think so. I think that's the world God created. And part of the kingdom that Jesus is establishing and part of the kingdom that is still not yet is this restoration of how things used to be. And if it wasn't for Jesus, if he didn't come to deal with our sin and this like corruption of our human nature, um, we'd be lost. 
But because of Jesus, because he was exalted not up on a throne, but he was lifted up on a cross, because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection for us, we now collectively have a chance of God reigning through us over his place. It's good news. It also is a little bit bananas because Jesus' message wasn't to trust yourself or to follow your heart. It was to deny yourself and follow him. To his disciples, and in Luke 9, he says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever, whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in all of his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here today will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. When we read or hear words like this from Jesus, we think it's bananas. But what if he's right? What if... What if the way that this works is denying myself and picking up your cross daily? Daily, because this isn't just, oh, I did it once and now I'm good. No, this is a constant reminder of how we need to align our lives with Jesus and submit ourselves to him. Whoever, um, you know, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. This is the call of Christ. It's also the path of change and growth. If you want to mature, you have to look beyond yourself. And who better to look, for, look to than Jesus? It's a quote by Jeremy Tree. So what's good news to you? Is it that God reigns? Is it that we're part of a bigger story? Is it that human flourishing doesn't start with trusting yourself, but learning to trust God? Or maybe it's something else. And that's where I want to kind of wrap things up for this morning. Some of the best news is that there's something more. See, contrary to the way that our world kind of operates and thinks, time isn't endless. It's not just moving on and on and on forever. No, there's a time and day when Jesus returns. And in when the kingdom comes and all, and that's where time is heading. And that's good news because that's the point when God is going to set things fully straight. That he's going to come, come back and make, he's going to make right all of the wrongs. That he's going to establish justice in all of its fullness. That people will live and thrive in the way that he always intended them to do. That's good news, that there's something more than just this life. And the way that we live, lean into that life is by joining his kingdom, making ourselves part of it right here and right now. It's by learning to submit ourselves and uh, surrender ourselves and align ourselves or whatever image you want to, or, or, or establish a relationship with God now in this life and in the one to come. 
And whenever we talk about good news of the kingdom, or good news in general, this is what Jesus was talking about. Not just the single solitary transaction of, hey, my sins are forgiven. That is good news. But there's something more. There is an and then at the end of that sentence. I trusted Jesus. He forgave my sins. I've, I've got a relationship with him. And then there's this whole new life that begins with him. And it's life in his kingdom. That's good news. Please join me in prayer. Lord, sometimes we, um, it's not just we of little faith, it's we of little vision. And I mean, we just get caught up in day-to-day, stuff. I do, day-to-day stuff, and got to get this done, and I got to get this done, and oh my goodness, that's behind schedule, and oh, we got to get this done, and now this, and now this, and this. We lose sight of the bigger picture, Lord, that you are present, that you are active, that you care, that you love us, that you're at work, you're redeeming us, Lord, that heaven is breaking into earth. We lose sight of the fact, Lord, that you do speak to us through your Holy Spirit and that we can figure out what to do with that. We can follow you. You know, the good news of the kingdom, Lord, isn't just that you washed away our sins. That, that's amazing news. That's good news. It's that you begin this process of transformation and healing and growth in us, Lord, that doesn't come naturally or automatically to us. It's good news that there is something more, that we're part of a bigger story, that you do still reign on this earth, even though people say that you don't. It's good news, God. Help us to believe it. Help us to see it. Help us to lean into it and live it. We pray this in the name of Jesus.